how many of you love Jesus? Shout amen. amen. Alright, we're in good company this morning. So I want you to open your Bible today if you got it handy. Hopefully you do. Open it to the book of Philippians, chapter number 3. Lots of new faces out there. I like to see new faces. I really do. Philippians chapter 3, and you're going to go down along the lines of verse 12. And we're going to read verses 12 through 15 before we start. Philippians 3, verse 12. I'll give you a second to find it. Now, this is just a little background. This is the Apostle Paul writing this. And if you know a little bit about the Apostle Paul's history, he went through a lot, to say the least. Okay, This was a man who suffered a lot for preaching the gospel. Been stoned, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been beaten. Uh, he'd been through a lot. Lots of reasons throughout Paul's life that he could have justifiably just gotten discouraged and quit serving God. But he kept on. He kept serving God. And, and the, uh, before, if you read the few verses before what we're going to read, Paul's saying, I'm striving to attain to the resurrection. Okay? He's recognizing that this life, this body is one day going to die and this life's going to be over. And those who know Christ will share in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it gets better. So he said, I'm, I'm striving to attain or get to and receive that resurrection. And so we pick up in verse number 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. He recognizes his weaknesses as a man, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I like this. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if, any, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. As we've already felt your presence in, in this worship service this morning, we come with hungry hearts. God, every person in this place today has a desire to draw closer to you or we wouldn't be here today. So I pray that uh, as we have made a step towards you, I trust that you'll make 20 steps towards us this morning. I, I pray for your anointing upon myself as, as your vessel, uh, that this, your word, God, might find a lodging place in the hearts of every person. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody give me a big shout of amen. Amen. That was horrible. Give me a big shout of amen. amen. Much better, much better. Uh, okay, so Paul basically saying this. Uh, Paul saying, look, I, I'm a man of God. I'm striving to do the best that I can. I'm, I'm pressing towards heaven. Uh, but I'm not going to tell you guys in this letter that I'm perfect. Paul knew that he wasn't perfect. He was pressing towards a goal that was an eternal goal, right, which ultimately is heaven. So Paul says, I, I really can't waste a lot of time being discouraged about what happened behind me. How many of you, raise your hand high, have a past. Okay. Fortunately, you're, I didn't see a liar in the room. Everybody, everybody raise their hand. We've all got one. Okay. I wasn't born a preacher. Uh, we've all got a past. Paul had a past. We've all got one. Paul said, I, I can't waste a lot of time worrying about that. I've got to focus on what is in front of me and press towards that. The title of my message this morning is Press In, Press On. Okay? We're pressing in towards something so that we can press on towards something. And the thing that we're pressing into is Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says. I'm, I'm pressing toward that mark, that relationship with Christ in which he gives me the power and the strength. How many things can we do through Christ who strengthens us? All things. Paul, Paul said, I'm pressing in, I'm getting closer to Jesus so that I can press on through this life and attain that ultimately that eternal goal, which is heaven. Okay, so if you flip now to the right, turn to James chapter 4. I'm going to take you a few, little, few places this morning. Uh, I would encourage you to jot these verses down and, and study them out later on this week. James chapter 4, 
uh, starting in verse 4, says this. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or an enemy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says... He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us. Just simply, he's quoting Scripture, in that God made His Spirit dwell in us, therefore God thinks He ought to have a say in how we live our life. Does that sound fair? I think it sounds fair. If God gave us life, and then He died so that we could have eternal life, and then placed His Spirit in us to give us power to overcome this world, I think He should have a little say-so in how we live our life. That's all He's saying, right? But he gives more grace. How many of you can say, thank God for that? Amen? But God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, speaking of the scripture, says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then this is what I want to hone in on a little bit this morning. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Man, that's a, that's a very simple... You don't have to have a degree in theology to understand what that means. Draw closer to God... And he will draw closer to you. Amen? Now, turn to the left in Mark chapter 5, keeping that thought in mind. Let's read an event that took place in Scripture. Mark chapter 5, verses 24 through 34. Now, those of you that know this story well and have heard it preached a lot, and even in this context to a certain degree, uh, don't tune me out yet thinking, okay, I see where he's going with this, and so I can, can, you know, check the weather, okay? Hang with me on this Maybe you've never thought about it like this. Uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 24. It says, A great crowd followed him, followed Jesus, and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge or a hemorrhage of blood for 12 years. She'd suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better but rather grew worse. I think anybody can understand the frustration there. You have a hemorrhage, you're losing blood constantly, uh, you're terrible sick and weak, you've spent every dime you had on doctors that literally could not help you. In fact, you're worse after you've seen them. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, his clothing. For she said, if I touch even his garment, uh, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood or the hemorrhage dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? His disciples said, Lord, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him, told him the, and told him the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Okay, so you get the picture here. A lot of people. Everybody's wanting to get to Jesus, okay? Jesus, the fame about Jesus is spreading throughout all Jerusalem. Here's a guy that can heal you. Here's a guy that can change your life and and take away what ails you. This is a man who can speak words about the purpose of life and actually gives you a little bit of hope. This guy's different than all the religious leaders and the people in the church. So everybody's flocking to Jesus, as would be natural. And they want to get as close to him as they possibly can. Here's a lady that realizes her only hope of getting free and being healed is to get closer to Jesus and to touch him. So she's pressing through the crowd, right? She's pressing in. We get a picture of her, you know, 
elbowing and trying. I, I just got to get to Jesus. Uh, and the King James says other places in Scripture says that she touches the hem of his garment, which gives the indication that quite possibly she was down on her hands and knees just to touch the bottom. She's crawling through the crowd. So we get this visual about, you know, she's all she can do, she's pressing in and she touches Jesus. And once she gets closer to Jesus, Jesus turns to her, heals her body, which then verifies what the Scripture is saying, that if we will draw close to God, he will draw close to us. See, God is a perfect gentleman. He's not nosy, nor does he bust down the doors of our heart. He waits for invitation. Okay? He waits for us to take that step. And like like I said in my prayer, I believe that for every step we take towards God, he takes a hundred towards us. Alright? So it's not like God is egging us on. It's a matter of Him wanting to know that we desire Him. That we want to be close to Him. So I've got... But, but now all that's said within this event that took place. Let me encourage you just a little bit this morning and, and let you know that thanks to the Holy Spirit, it's really, it's really not that hard to get closer to Jesus. It was hard for her to get to Jesus because He was there in the flesh... And only so many people could be close to him. So she had to work hard. But after Christ died on the cross and he ascended, his spirit came to dwell within every one of us. So it's not, it, it's, it, it doesn't take a, uh, we don't have to strain and stretch and, and try real hard to get to Jesus. He is always within reach. We try so hard in our flesh to get closer to God. Somebody say, well, if you'll draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. And we make that out to be some very difficult thing in our mind. It's not difficult. Jesus is always within reach. I want to read a verse to you. Uh, jot it down and look it up later because I've got it here. and I'm not going to wait for you to get there. But Acts chapter 17, verses 27 and 28 says this. I love this scripture. It says that they should seek God... And perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Look at this. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. <laughs> That's something. We know throughout scripture, all throughout scripture, that if we seek God, what will happen? We'll find him, right? So we seek, trying to find, trying to touch Jesus. And, and, and the writer, Luke here says, what we need to understand is that Jesus is actually not that far away from each and every one of us. You say, well, you don't know what I've done in my past. God couldn't be farther away from me. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And it makes no difference how bad and how wicked or how good you've been in your, in your past. It makes no difference. Christ is always within reach of every human being, regardless. And he goes on to say this. It's because in him we live and move and have our being. It's in Christ that we, we live and survive. Doesn't matter, no matter whether you've rejected him in your entire life. The only reason you're alive is because of him. Even though you've rejected him and you really don't care maybe what God has to say about your life. Maybe you've said, oh, I don't even know if there even is a God. I don't even believe in him. It doesn't matter. He's the reason you're alive. Because it's only in him that we can even live and move and even have our being. That being a physical being and physical life, but most of all spiritual life. Press in. Press in. He is attainable. Jesus is touchable if we press in, if we desire. He's within reach. So here's what I want to do. I could, I could, um, I could get up here and give you the, the uh, quarterly, uh, you want to get closer to Jesus, uh, read your Bible and pray and go to church. I could give you that you know, quarterly message, read your Bible, pray, go to church. That's our cookie cutter answer. And all those things are great. We can wrap this thing up here in about five minutes and all go home. But I want to simplify it even more than that. It'll take me a little longer than ten minutes to do that, but... I want to simplify it even more than, I mean, I could tell you, read your Bible, pray, and most of you, a lot of you will leave and say, okay, what does that mean? 
go read my Bible and pray. Okay, I'll try that. And, I, you know, I don't really know where to go. Someone's going to open the book. And it's like, therefore, I have a disease within my loins or some weird, you know, weird scripture. It's like, okay, that really helped. I feel closer to God already, right? So I'm going I'm to simplify this, okay? I want to talk about some, some simple ways, okay? No matter how long you've served God or known God, however much you know about the Bible, doesn't matter. I want to get you, actually four, four very simple ways to draw closer to God, okay? Simple ways to press in. And as you draw closer to Jesus, press into Jesus, he will give you the power to press on in your life, regardless of what it is. Your life may be peachy perfect, and it may be horrible. You may be in the toilet, you may be on the mountaintop. I don't know. But whatever the case, we all need Christ to get through it. In fact, sometimes we need Jesus more to get through the good times than we need him to get through the bad. You know why that is? Because in the good times, we're arrogant. And we think we got it all figured out. But that's another message. Okay, so first simple way. Okay, to press in and get closer to God so that he might draw closer to you is one word. I'm going to say this. Meditate. Okay? I'm not talking about sitting Indian style and lighting some incense and holding your fingers up and going, oh, oh I'm trying to clear. Not, not that kind of meditate. That's not what meditate means. Meditate. Okay, here's, here's the read your Bible portion, I guess you might say. But I'm going to simplify it even more than that. Meditate. The word meditate means to contemplate or to reflect. Just simply put, means to think. Right? you meditate about something, you're thinking about something. It's not just about opening the Bible and randomly reading it. Give thought. Meditate on the things of God. Okay? You can, I mean, you can, you can give thought to anything. You can think about anything. Okay, where am I going to go for lunch? You know, what are we going to have for dinner? You know, I don't know. What kind of car am I going to You can give thought to anything. But the most important thoughts in our life are the ones that we have to give deep thought to. Okay? The ones that you kind of have to stop and, and quit thinking about everything else for a little bit and then just think about that. Okay? And now in a, in a world, busy, hectic, multitasking world that we're living in, we're always thinking of about 400 things at the same time. Right? Okay? And for me personally, and I'm high strung, I'm hyperactive, you know me, and my, my mind is going like this, like you just gave a squirrel a Red Bull or something. I mean, my mind is always, and I have, I have to make myself stop and rein in my thoughts, and ju- even if it's just for a minute, and meditate or just give a deeper thought to God. Okay? Not, not just reading some obscure verse. I'm, and when I'm talking about meditating, we'll talk about the Bible here in a minute, but I'm talking about meditating and thinking about the Lord Himself. Okay, not just words on a page. We're thinking about God. We sang about that breath, right? Did you ever, though you go through life and you don't give God much thought, do you ever just stop and think to yourself when you yawn real big? <sighs> I want to see how many people do it. You, you yawn real big. Do you ever just stop and think, where did that breath come from, right? Just thinking about God himself. Not, what, not, not religion, not church, not what he wants you to do, not a memory verse. Just thinking about God, the one who gave you life. And when you begin to meditate on him, guess what happens? He begins to direct your thoughts from, that, for, from there on. So we... We meditate on God. We just, we got to give God some brain space. There's so many things in our world that's fighting for brain space. And we've got to make sure that we are allowing God some of our brain space. We're, 
We're looking at when you're reading the scripture, you're not, not just reading words on a page, but you're, you're looking at, at, at the, the message. Uh, you're, you're looking between the lines. You're looking at the whole story. You're asking yourself, what if? You're just, it's, you know, it's one thing to read. It's another thing to study, right? You can read a newspaper and go through it and, and forget what you read before. But when you study on something, you're thinking about what it's saying about what it means. And that's what ultimately the, the word of God's calling us to do. Meditate on the word. Okay. You say, Dennis, I would like to. I know I need to. Here's the read your Bible portion. Okay, because here's the thing. This is not, it's not a coaster. It's not a paperweight. Um, it's not something that we just carry back and forth, uh, you know, to church because that's what we do. The words of life are in this. Okay, this is life. Okay, so, but that being said, I can say, go home and read your Bible and it'll all be better. And so you go home and again, you, where? Let me, let me just make something very simple. Especially in this day and age. Uh, there are, and I've got some of these coming, by the way, uh, great devotionals, okay, daily devotionals, in which, whatever point in the time, for me it's the first thing in the morning, but whatever point, you, you take time, you stop, you take out a devotional, you, you read the devotional, it's got a little message uh, that, that takes your thoughts and, and it directs you towards God, it's always got some scripture references, and you get your Bible out and you look at those verses, and you just meditate on those verses. I'm, we're talking about one step. We're talking about simple ways, right? You're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna probably start teaching Sunday school after you do this for a month. But you, yourself, personally, will draw closer to God. You're just taking a small portion of Scripture and you're soaking it in. Okay? It's, it's, it's not just about, um, reading your Bible. It's about finding out what God would say to me. Okay? Daily devotional. Open your Bible. Just for a second. In those particular verses. The whole Scripture is important. But what if, Take where you're at now, you're getting nothing. Okay, maybe take where you're at right now and you think, I've, I've never felt farther away from God. Okay, um, what if every day there was a few verses that kind of uh, directed your attention towards God? Do you think it would be helpful? I guarantee it would. Go from nothing to 365 times a year, make a big difference. It's not just habit. I want, I want to read something to you. Again, you don't have to turn there. But in Psalms chapter 1, it's one of my favorite songs. Psalms chapter 1. Here's a pretty easy way to draw closer to God. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Okay? That's easy. Don't get your advice from wicked people. Okay? Everybody okay with that? that that's an easy way uh, to draw closer to God. Make sure that you're getting your counsel and your advice from the Word of God, from, from God Himself. Um, blessed is the man who does not stand in the way or the path of sinners. If you're striving every day not to be like the rest of the world, and you're, you're, you're ultimately wanting to press closer and ask God to give you direction in how you ought to live your life, God will be faithful to do that. Blessed is the man does, that does not uh, sit in the seat of scoffers or the scornful. Let's go a little further, but look at this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. On God's law, on God's word, on God's will, he just meditates. He thinks about it day and night all the time. Look what happens. I, okay, try, now I'm not going to say try me. I'm saying try the Lord. You think this is all a bunch of bunk? Try it. I dare you to try it for an entire year. I dare you to try it for a month. A devotional. You don't say, I don't, I don't know what devotion. Don't... Come, I, come to me. I'm going to have some devotionals here. I can give you some direction. But my, the bottom line is it. I'll give you mine. The point is, make an attempt to draw closer to God and just know this morning that God is a God of His Word and He will draw closer to you. Look what happens to the guy or the, or the gal who meditates on God. He's planted like a tree. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And all that he does... He prospers. 
The wicked are not so. In other words, people who don't press into God, that don't care about God, don't have that same type of promise. Look what happens to them. They're like the chaff. They're like weeds that the wind just blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Like a tree planted by the water. Whatever he does shall prosper. For who? The one who meditates on God. Amen? Alright, let's look at the second thing. This is the praying portion. Okay? I can say, pray every day. We sang the song when we was a kid. Read your Bible, pray every day. Right? If you want to grow. Ever heard that song? Okay? I can say, pray. Let me, just, let me say this. This is the way I want to put it this morning. Here's where it's at. And I'm going to back this up by scripture. Short, simple prayers. Say that with me. Short, simple prayers. There's a time to get locked in with God and spend an hour in there. If you can do that. Most of us can't or won't. That's not where it's at. We don't impress God by praying for a long, long period of time. In fact, in fact Jesus pretty much said that. Jesus said, hey guys, when you're praying, don't be like those hypocrites. Don't be like the Pharisees and you know, the, even the heathens who, who make long prayers. And they, they make the words, they make the words sound really good and really holy and really spiritual. And they big long prayers and they think, he said, he said they use vain repetitions. They just say the same words over and over and over again in order to make their prayer long. He said, because they think that they're heard for their much speaking. The more I pray, the longer I pray, the more I talk, the more God's going to hear me. And Jesus said, it's completely wrong. And Jesus said, believe me, I know God. I've met him. I am God, right? Believe me, that's not where it's at. Jesus said, when you pray, get in your closet, right? When you pray, pray our Father which is heart in heaven. Hallow, holy is your name. It's not in the long, drawn out prayers. It's in about the... Short, simple prayers that mean something. You've heard, the, you've heard the saying, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. So you can work for four hours in your yard and do a half-hearted okay job and really not get much accomplished. Or you can spend one hour in working in your yard and get a lot done. What's more valuable? You can spend an hour in prayer, your mind going 14,000 ways, and, but you can say you did it. Right? God, God's going God's to give me a high five and he's going to be proud of me if I can spend an hour in there praying. And God says, yeah, you lost me after the first 10 minutes. Because, you know, your mind. So is it, is it about quantity and how long we pray? Or is it about the quality of the time that we spend with God? You'll be amazed, very amazed at what you can say to God in 60 seconds. You'll be even more surprised at what God can say to you in 60 seconds. What if you prayed 60 seconds every minute? No, wait. What if you prayed 60 seconds every 60 minutes, every hour? Because 60 seconds is a minute, is that correct? You would be praying all the time. You talk about praying without ceasing. Pray 60 seconds for every minute and you'll be closer to God. You will. You won't have any friends and you'll be far away from everybody else, but closer to God you'll be close to. What? 60 seconds. I mean, 60 seconds in, 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 in an hour's time or in the morning in which we just stop, meditate, direct our attention to God, say, God, I need you. You'll be surprised at what you can say to God in 60 seconds. You'll be surprised at what he can say to you in 60 seconds. It's not about how long. It's about what you say, and it's about the condition of your heart when you say it. 
It's a simple way to get closer to God. Just pray. Less long, more often. Say that with me. Less long, more often. You know where I learned this, by the way? From my devotional. <laughs> I kid you not. But it's funny. Funny saying. Uh, I actually had been... This was my thought process. This is, I had kind of shaped my own prayer life this way uh, already. And then I read in this devotional. It's called Jesus Calling. That's the one I got coming, by the way. Jesus Calling is a tremendous devotional. It's, it's, uh, you read it and it's like Jesus is speaking to you. Okay? It's like, it's like he wrote you a note. It's a wonderful devotional. And it's got scripture references to show, to back up basically what that devotional is about. And, and every morning I, I open that up. It's just something that gets my spiritual juices flowing. I, I get my thoughts reined in towards God and, and it edifies me. It blesses me and, and helps me. But, so, but that's basically what they're saying. Is that, you know, short, simple prayers that flow out of the moment. Flow throughout the day, through the moment when something arises. It may not be something that you need. It may just be you, you yawn big and you realize, you know, overall I'm fairly healthy. God, thank you uh, for, for, your, for health. Thank you for my family, Lord. And, or or your, I remember one time when I worked years ago, I was a teller at the bank. And we had lines. This, this is back before the days of direct deposit. So people actually had a check. Uh, young people, it's a, it was a piece of paper that they would write numbers on. And you would bring it to the bank. And you would give them the paper. And then they would give you cash. It was, it was really, uh, you know, it was just right after the stone and the chisel, really. But it, back in those days, and, and four lines of, of people out the door. It was just that busy. And somebody, uh, you always hated when somebody wanted a cashier's check. Because back in those days, we had a, a different type of cashier's check machine that, that took forever. So I get over here, and, and I'm making a cashier's check out and the machine just it just goes nuts i mean it just shuts down it won't work we don't have a backup all this traffic all these people and i'm like mm, so i'm taking it out and putting it in and i'm getting mad and right before i get ready to punch the thing i stop and i think to myself it was just, just a little quickening in my in my spirit i guess you might say, just a thought that come to my mind I'm going to pray about this. I'm not, I'm not making this up you can call me a liar i am not making this up and i'm not saying this works every time i'm telling you it worked this time I laid my hand, I tried it four times, it wouldn't work. And it was making that sound. So you knew something was wrong. I put my hand on it, and I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, make this thing work. And I kid you not, I put it in, it was done. Just, it didn't take no long. I mean, folks, that, that, you, that may not be a Red Sea event, but it was for me in the moment. I was so excited, I... Walked away from a teller, went and took 30 minutes and prayed. No, I really didn't. I got jumped right back into it. It's not about how long. It's about the content and the heart in which we pray. Jesus is just wanting us to inch closer. All right? There's, not a, there's really not, per se, a right or wrong way in how we do it, as long as our heart and our motive is correct and, and, and in the right place. I, I've, been, I've been into this new show. When I'm on the, the treadmill, I've got to have something, you know, on TV just to take my mind off of how bad I'm hurting. And... Um, uh, there's a new show on, I DVR it so I can watch it while I'm, while I'm working out. It kind of inspires me. And it's called The Titan Games. I don't know if you've ever, any of you ever seen The Titan Games. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, has, has come up with this. And there's all kinds of different, you've got different men and women that are athletic and they, they, they face off in these events, these, you know, real extenuating, uh, ex, 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 real hard events uh, in which they're putting their body, you know, through the mill and, and so on and so forth. And so there's one particular uh, event that they have on there, this, this competition, uh, it's called Off the Rails. And so what it is, is they got this literally uh, like a little railroad thing through here with uh, the ties and the, the rail. And so they have to get up on this, this little cart. It's got the, the wheels on it and they've got an, an anchor. Okay. And they have to throw the anchor and hook it on those ties and pull 
and I don't remember, it's like 600 pounds, I think. Well, you know, as they're pulling this, it's like there is 600 pounds worth of weights that they're picking up. So he's, he's, they're pulling, then they have to pick the anchor up, and they throw it again, hook it on the tie, and they pull it. I kid you not, every single time, I can tell who's going to win almost by the very first throw. Because inevitably, there'll be one, one of the people will take the anchor and they'll throw it way out there. They throw it real, real long, trying to hook it way out there on that tie, thinking that then they can just pull themselves up. It never works. They never get it hooked. For one thing, they don't aim very good that way. For number two, they can't get enough slack on the rope, and they pull it back in. It's the person who wins is always the person who throws it to the very next tie, nice short throws, pulls themselves to it, next tie, nice short throw, pulls themselves to it. They always, always win that event. And I'm watching this, I'm thinking, that's the mentality, as we want to draw closer to God, we think, I've got a big, long, random prayers, right? I've got to go in for two hours and pray about everything that I can think of, and after ten minutes, when I've thought of everything I can think of, now I'm discouraged for the next hour and a half. It's not, a, it's not where it's at. It's about, I, I'm going to seek God right here, right now, I need Him right now, and, and He pulls me closer. Then maybe the next... Hour, maybe it's three hours, whatever case down the road, I need him again. It's about those short, simple prayers where we keep a line of communication open between God all the time. That's all this is about. It's about keeping a line of, op- of communication open with God. It's not that difficult to do that. We don't have to get on our hands and knees and go through the people. The Holy Spirit is within us. In fact, the Holy Spirit is constantly beckoning us to pray. If you'll stop long enough and really pay attention, you'll hear him. You'll feel, you'll feel the Lord drawing you in. Prayer really shouldn't be something we have to force ourselves to do. It's something that the Spirit is drawing us into. And if we'll just be obedient to that, and you may go in, and you, there's been times I'll go in and I may pray for five minutes. Stop, just pray for five minutes. And I feel like I've been praying for an hour. It's just that five minutes just did something for me. I, just, I spent time with God. I cleared the path between God and I. And that five minutes felt like an hour. There's other times I've prayed for an hour. Go in and just start praying, and the Spirit just start putting stuff in my spirit, and I'm praying. There's times I've prayed for an hour, and it felt like five minutes. Because I was lost in it. The, the Spirit, so, so we don't have to worry about the length. Put your, put your watch away, walk in and just say, Lord, I'm yours for the next, you know, I've got, I've got ten minutes of my lunch hour, I'm yours. Do everything, pour everything into me that you can, or get everything out that you can in the next ten minutes. Hey, He'll take it. I'm telling you, He'll take what He can get. He, God's never going to say... No, no, if you know, if you could give me 20 minutes, but now you're not giving me enough time. No, no, God, God craves every second you'll give him. Every second you give God, he craves it. We're keeping a line of communication. Right now, this time of year, all the snow and the ice and stuff that, that, break, that, that comes down, you know, on the road. And if it's, if it's snowing real hard, there's inches of snow piling up. MoDOT doesn't wait until the snow quits. MoDOT doesn't wait until there's two foot of snow on the road to decide to get out there and start shoving it off. It'd be a lot more difficult to do that, wouldn't it? So what do they do? They're out there constantly shoveling, keeping the roads open where you can get from one place to the other. Little here, as, it gets, as, as, as the snow dumps, they scoot it off. They come back through there, the, do- the snow dumps, they plow it off. That's what, that's what we're doing as we maintain this line of communication between God, these short, simple prayers in which the devil is constantly trying to dump on us. 
trial, discouragement, temptation, lust, you name it. Don't, don't wait until you're under a pile of stress and, and condemnation and fear. Don't wait until the enemy has just had his way with you to start praying. Keep that line every day throughout the day. Just when the devil piles it on, let the Holy Spirit shovel it back off again. Amen? Hallelujah. He's so faithful. He's so faithful. Paul, Paul wrote a letter... Another letter to, to a church, there's a new church, new Christians. They lived in a place called Thessalonica. He wrote them two letters. You can read about it in your Bible. It's called First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. And in this letter, he writes to these new Christians. They're just trying to figure it all out still. He gives them some good pastor advice. He says things like, well, be good to one another. Hey, keep on rejoicing, he said. Don't re- rejoice always. Just, just be happy and rejoice in the Lord. He said, don't, don't quench the spirit. Uh, be thankful. Oh, yeah, and this too. Pray without stopping. Pray without stopping. You guys want to really grow in your faith? You guys really want to get closer to God? Pray without stopping. Let, it, let prayer, let your communication with God be just as natural as breathing. Nobody forgets to breathe. Right? I don't know, some of you look a little uncomfortable. It looks like you need to take a big deep breath. Nobody forgets to breathe. It's automatic. We feel the need, so therefore we do it. And this communication with God should be that natural. We don't have to think about it. We're going to force it. It just it becomes natural and we do it. Hey, you can pray going down. You don't have to, you don't have to sit in sackcloth and ashes and light a candle and get down on your hands and knees for, you know, to get a, you pray. You know how many times I've prayed going down the road? How many times I've prayed mowing the grass? Because God is not looking for how we do it, he's looking for why we do it. Amen? The quality of how we do it. I mean, let's, let's face it. Let's be honest. It's, I mean, if you, if you can pray for two hours every morning, you're awesome. Great. My guess is there's probably not many people in here that, that do that. If you can pray for two hours every morning, that is fantastic. Good for you. Most of us don't. Most of us can't. Most of us wouldn't if we could. Can we be honest with ourselves this morning and just call it what it is? It's okay if I just pastor you a little bit this morning. If we had, let me speak for me. If I had an extra two hours every morning to pray, I I know me. I guarantee I would spend that two hours doing something selfish. I would spend that two hours on me. I know me. So most of us don't. We can't. we, We wouldn't if we did have that extra time. But again, it's not about... How long? It's, it, you know, we, we get caught up in, in my time. I don't have the time. But we're all on borrowed time. Right? Every minute that we live is actually God's time. It's borrowed time. And, and so he's not wanting all of it. You, you know what? God, has, God instituted a concept of, of tithing. And this is, not, this is not on the list. So you can, you can although it's good. But, you know, God instituted a, a concept in which he just pours out blessing on people, on his people. And he wants us to take that blessing, whether it's money, whether it's time, you name it. We take that blessing and we give God a portion of it back. Right? That's what we do when we tithe. And God is not stingy. God has never asked for all that you've got. Ever. Has he? Is it, does, what, does the word of God say you've got to put in 100% of everything you make, God wants it? No. He said, I tell you what, you keep 90, I'll take 10. That's not much. That's 10 bucks out of $100. Okay, and again, this is, this is not a tithing message. So visitors believe we don't talk about tithing hardly at all. So that's not what this is about. I'm, using, I'm talking about it in the area of time. 
God is not stingy with your time any more than he is with your money. Right? God's not saying, okay, well, the only way you're really going to get anywhere with me today is if you spend two hours in prayer, four hours in prayer. God says, I'm reasonable. Take what time you've got. It's my time, and just I just want you to understand that. Right? You're not, you're not giving God your time. How arrogant are we? God, I'm going to give you some of my valuable time. I'm so important. I work here in Thus, and I'm, I'm going to give you some of my time. And God says, oh, well, thanks. Right? No, it's not. how about we look at it like this. God, I'm going to take some of the time that you've given me, and I'm going to give it back to you. Amen? Big difference. You know, we, look, we, we see this concept with Daniel, and I'm going to have to hurry. I, I promise the, other, the last two points aren't as long as this one, okay? Uh, we we kind of get a picture of this with Daniel. You, know, you all know the story. I don't have to tell the whole story about Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, and, and we look at it, and we think, oh, that's, it's a great story. Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. God come, These are hungry lions that generally, usually would have ripped somebody apart. But, you know, God shuts the lion's mouths, and Daniel is safe all night long. We know that whole story. And that's a great, that's great uh, you, you know, that's amazing. But where the, really, where the real story is, is before that took place. Where Daniel, we read, would three times a day stop his day, turn his t- attention towards God, and pray. Three times a day, every morning, noon, and at night. And again, it's not about getting legalistic or being methodical with that. It's just that every day, Daniel said, Daniel's mindset was, I don't want to go through an entire day without talking to God. Daniel probably knew he, he would mess it up. I, I've got to have God all day long. And so, in the morning, he would seek God. In the, after, in the middle of the day, he would seek God. In the evening, he would seek God. Me personally, this is what I do. This, I'm just throwing this out there. You can do however you want to. Me personally, when I pray in the morning, I pray for Dennis. I pray for me that in that day I'll honor God. I know me. I know what my buttons are. I know what my weaknesses are. And I know that left to myself, I'm going to mess stuff up bad. So I pray for me that God would show me his path, show me his way. When he opens doors, if he want me to speak to somebody. So I pray for me. As I get here throughout the middle of the day when I'm here and I walk around here and I pray, I pray for you. I pray for the church. I pray for our country. And when I get home at the end of the day and, and everything's quiet, I pray for my family. I pray for our home. It's about, like Daniel said, I, I need God all day. Keep that line of communication. So Daniel, when he was thrown in the lion's den, didn't have to go get prayed up real quick. Isn't that kind of how we, isn't that how we handle our prayer life? Let's be honest with each other. Let's be honest with ourselves this morning. We neglect, we neglect, we neglect, we neglect. Boom, something bad happens and now we're, we're on our knees, we're praying, we're trying to build up some faith and we're trying to get all prayed up so we're ready. And it just, it just doesn't work that way. Don't, you're, you're not hurting anybody. We're not hurting anybody but ourselves when we do that, right? Daniel stayed prayed up all the time. Keeping that on. And then whenever he went in the lion's den, he was ready and he was prepared for it. We, we, we treat this thing a lot of times like we're, like we're cramming for a test. I used to do that when I was in school. And young people, I do not recommend this. You know, I had a test the next day. I knew I had a test the next day. I could have taken some books home. I could have studied all night long, or at least some. I could have took 30 minutes and studied a little bit for the test. But you know what I usually did a lot of times? I waited until right before the test. I ran from third hour to fourth hour. Back then, we didn't have blocks. But I ran from one class to the next. I'm thinking, I've got to get in there. And I opened the book, and I'm just trying to cram and take in as much information as I can scan so that I can get through the test. How dumb is that? How dumb is that? Wouldn't it have been better for me to study and be, be ready? But we do that. That's how we act in our own prayer life. Is we neglect and we neglect and we neglect. And then when it comes test time. Because I'm going to tell you right now as a Christian. We're constantly being tested. 
We're being tried by the enemy. We're being tested by God. Just, there's tests all throughout life. And we handle those tests much better when we're already prayed up. We know, that God's, we know God's got to be there. We don't have to pray Him down. He's in us. Amen? We're ready to go. Don't wait till you're out of gas to go to the gas station, right? All right, third thing. First thing was meditate. Second thing, uh, short, simple prayers. I must have made her mad or something. I don't know. She didn't slam it as hard as she does at home. I don't know. So was, I'm just kidding. Um, third thing. Hear me out on this. Okay, hear me out on this. Slowly, everybody say slowly. Slowly cut back on distractions. Okay? So those distractions look like a lot of different things. Now, now we're, if we're talking about a, a blatant sin, something you know is wrong, that needs to be, we need to, don't play around with that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about distractions, okay? That can be fun stuff. That can be good stuff, great stuff. Hobbies, awesome. I think we should all have hobbies, things that we enjoy doing. You know why you enjoy doing it? Because God put that in you. He made us all different. And so we can get this idea, many people do, which is wrong, that we have to sacrifice all that we enjoy and give it all to God. That's not what God is not asking for that. He never has, right? It could be work. It could be our to-do list. How many of you got a to-do list? Let me see your hands high. How many of you are like me? You're just faithfully working on it night and day. Yeah, you liars. Uh, it could be a to-do list. It could be work. It could be family. It could be TV. You name it. Just things that become distractions. Slowly cut back. I did not say eliminate them. Did anybody hear me say do away with them? No. Here's the thing, folks. Let me, let me encourage you. We don't have to... We don't have to join a convent or a monastery and deprive ourselves of all worldly pleasures in order to draw closer to God. It's not about cutting it all off. It's about, we realize that sometimes those things in our life become distractions and it just starts taking up more room than what we're allowing for Jesus. Does that make sense? And God said, there there is a time. I just kind of want you to, don't be legalistic about it. I'm going to impress God and I'm not going to eat for 47 days. I'm going, to pre- I'm going to impress God. I'm going to go home and I'm going to jerk my TV down off the wall and I'm going to throw it out in the shed. and I'm going to read my Bible. When I would be watching TV, I'm going to read my Bible. You can do all of that and you know what's going to happen in about three weeks time if you make it that long? You're going to get pretty discouraged and burn out and fed up. and got, You're going to go griping to God and how he sucks the fun out of life and God's going to say, hey, I didn't tell you to do that. But I am asking you to cut back on some distractions every now and then, right? How easy it is for us to push God aside. When, when things are not convenient, we get busy, right? We're, we're busy, we've got a lot of stuff going on, and it's easy for us to push our Bible aside, or it's easy for us to push church aside. It's easy for us to push God aside. And God's saying, all I'm asking is that it would be easier for you to push your hobby aside than to push me aside. That's all I'm asking, God says. That maybe those distractions won't pull you away from me, that maybe you would come to a point where you enjoy my presence so much that wild horses couldn't drag you away from me. Amen? You know you can have that much fun in the presence of God? Nothing satisfies your soul like, like being there. The thing is, was we, it's not about be, being legalistic and trying to impress God. We're not trying to earn brownie points with God by denying ourselves worldly pleasure, pleasures and treasures. It's just about getting closer to God so we can hear His voice. Amen? If I'm talking like this, I'm talking to Daniel back there in the very back, and he can't hear me, 
he has one of two choices. If you can't hear me, across the room, you can't, he can't hear me. He has one of two choices. He can either say, gosh, I can't hear him. I'm leaving. And he can get farther away, upset because he couldn't hear me. Or, guess what else he can do? He can come closer. Let me give you a little, let me give you a little secret about God, maybe that you don't know. God speaks in a whisper. He always speaks in a whisper. Sometimes God speaks and it's obvious. We always look for the big neon sign in the sky and we get those every now and again. But for the most part, God speaks in a whisper. Still small voice. Because what that does is that forces us to stop, slow down, get quiet, be still and know that He's God and just draw closer to Him so that we can hear what He's saying to our heart. Amen? It's a glorious thing. Brother Dirk, why do you sit on the front row? So I'm not distracted. He's told us that a thousand times, so I could tell him that. That's, Dirk says, I've got to sit on the front row. If I sit on the back row, I know what everybody's got on. I know every person who, you know, uh, shifted in their seat, every person who went to the bathroom. I, I, he gets distracted, so he, sits, he gets closer. Okay? God is calling us all to get a little bit closer. You know what? If, uh, I would venture to say this. If, if Jesus was here today in the flesh... If Jesus was preaching this morning, you'd all be on the front row. Think about that. We'd want to get as close to him as as we possibly could. Nothing distract us. I want to hear every word that he says. I want to see every facial expression. I want to make sure that I don't miss anything. So I'm going to get as close as I can. And, and, And Jesus is literally saying in the spirit, he's literally that close within reach to every single one of us. Amen? Isn't that something? I got to move. Be positive. This is the fourth thing. Be positive, speak positive. Can you say that with me? Be positive, speak positive. Okay, this is not just a self-help session uh, of, of the sermon. I'm saying we're living in a negative, negative world. The world needs some positivity. Would anybody agree to that? And who, who should be the most positive people on the face of the planet? God's people, right? Be positive for crying out loud. You want to draw closer to God? Quit griping. I'm talking to me. I know that doesn't apply to any of you. Quit griping. Quit complaining. Be positive for crying out loud. Romans 8.28 says this. I committed this to memory and I would encourage you to do the same. All things. How many things? All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. That's pretty positive. Cruddy things happen in my life. I can be negative about it. I can gripe about it and complain. Or I can be positive knowing that God's going to work it out for my good. Amen. God's a positive God. You know that the cross is in the form of a plus sign? It means He adds to our life. God is positive. All right. I'm going to let you go. Uh, we be, remember what, what we talked about last week? What's inside of us will come out of us. Is that true? Our words, whether they're negative or whether they're positive, in fact, Scripture says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Meaning if we love death, we speak death, death will come. That's what we'll live under, the shadow of death. But if we love life, and we speak life, and we speak positive, we eat the fruits of life. Amen? It's kind of a no-brainer. This, James says it like this, you can take a great big ship, huge ship, and it's steered with a very small instrument called the helm. You control the helm, you control the ship. You control the words, 
you control your life. Amen? True. It's important what we say. So I've given you some simple tips this morning. You can do with it whatever you want to. My encouragement would be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Two minutes, I promise. In, in the Old Testament, we read about a man by the name of Naaman. Okay? Naaman was a mighty soldier, uh, but he had leprosy. Okay? He wanted free from the leprosy. So he heard about a prophet in, in Israel named Elisha that could help him. So he goes to Elisha and he says, I'm a leper. I need you to heal me. Elisha says to him, something very strange. Elisha says to Naaman, okay, go down into the Jordan River and dip in the river seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman got mad about that. Okay? Because number one, the Jordan River was nasty. Muddy. And Naaman was like, well, why couldn't I dip in the rivers of Samaria? They're much cleaner. Naaman gets so mad, he thought that Elisha would just come out and wave his hand over him and be thou healed, and he would go his way. But he was so mad because Elisha asked him to dip in the water that he started to leave. And he started to leave his miracle on the table. And and the reason why I brought this story up is is this. I'm going to come to you from the same uh, heart that Naaman's servant came to him. Naaman's servant come to him and said, wait, 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 sir, sir. If Elisha would have asked you to do some big thing, if this prophet of God would have told you to go out and kill a hundred men and do some big thing to be healed, you would have done it. Some big thing to get God's blessing, you would have done it. So why wouldn't you do this simple thing that he's asking you to do to get that same blessing? If I told you all this morning that Jesus was in Kabul and you West Plains Jesus wouldn't go to Kabul Jesus is in West Plains sorry couldn't resist it slipped it slipped out actually actually Jesus would go to Kabul he would he always went to the worst places first anyway so let's say let's say Jesus is in Kabul and and I tell you you know he's there and I say well you can't drive there you have to walk you have to either walk or run in order to get there and be with Jesus and you knew for a fact that he was really there. I was telling you the truth. And you, but you had to walk there. You would do whatever it took. You would do a big thing, right? I would say, if you'll walk to Kabul, you can see Jesus. You would do it. Because it's, it's a big, big thing. And then it's, it's my effort. It's a, how much more than if you just take these simple little things I've shared with you this morning, you can get just as close to Jesus as you can, could, closer to Jesus as you could if he was in Kabul. Amen? In the spirit, his, his arms are open. Worship team, go ahead and come on back up this morning. I'm gonna, we're going to give an altar call, but I want to explain what that is, okay? Because it's not, in many cases, what we always like to try to make it out to be. They're going to sing a song this morning, and I want you just to contemplate everything that I've said, and understand that God's invitation to you this morning is a very simple one, okay? You and I, all of us as human beings, are just lost, okay? God gives us a choice to serve Him or not, and every one of us have have chosen not. We've all sinned, come short of God's glory. God knows that, but he loves us anyway. Jesus went to the cross so that you and I could be saved. And you may not understand all intellectually what that means. And I could take another hour and explain that all to you. You may not understand what that means intellectually, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. But this morning, maybe God is dealing with your heart. You feel a tug. Okay? You just feel like, I need this. I need God. Maybe you've never even gave that thought before. Maybe you have. Maybe the Lord's been dealing with you. I don't know. Everybody's different. But God's just dealing with your heart. And you realize this morning, maybe more than ever, that 
there's distance between you and God, meaning that you're not right with God. That you need the relationship with the God that created you. And this morning, maybe the first first time you realize, hey, this is maybe this is not as hard as I thought it would be to know that He's within reach this morning. And so as they sing a song of invitation, we open these altars for anybody that wants to come and pray. I want you to understand what that means. Okay? You pray for anything, we'll pray with you about it. You're not joining the church by coming. If you if you come, you're just saying. Lord, I need you, and I would like for you as a church to pray with me and help me through that, and we want you to have that opportunity this morning. But it's about making...